This is Kirk Winstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to Devil Horns. Devil Horns! Welcome one and all to Devil Horns. I believe we're on uh, the ninth official episode. My name's Corey. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined again by Mike Zombie and New Jersey Nick. Fellas, it's good hey. to talk to you again. Good evening. Talk to you. Yeah, especially hey, you, Mike. You know, uh, you know, not saying Nick, you know. Uh, it's not good to talk to you as well, but but Mike... <laughs> um, it's been uh, it's been several weeks actually. It has. You've been away, and we missed you <laughs> dearly. And and the the numbers have suffered. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they have. <laughs> oh, sure. Um, uh, but it's good to be back. I missed you guys. And as we last heard, my fire alarms went off during my last appearance. Uh, no, my house did not burn down. But someone in my house needs to learn how to point the fan away from the. Uh, the uh, fire alarms when you're taking a 300 degree shower smoking up the house yeah, i so. guess we never explained that because God. we never uh, <laughs> wow oh, yeah yeah that's uh but wow. good to be back i've enjoyed right. your shows in the interim so thank, right, thank you thanks for having me back on good so uh nick i hope you're doing well as well is there anything new in your world dude nothing man i've been working too much and not having enough fun yeah isn't that the same for us all yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that happens. Um, but I, I, I don't think I told you guys, and this is a, a relatively new thing. I think just sort of happened this week. Um, my, uh, my friend Duncan, who does a couple different podcasts, um, he does a horror podcast called the Podcast Under the Stairs, and he also does Rock and Reel Reviews podcast. And Rock and Reel Reviews is a bigger website that does movie and and uh, music reviews, mainly the broader rock uh, sort of umbrella. And um, he does reviews for that uh, for that website and and the podcast, and um, it's actually really cool. Um, he's uh, he's from Scotland and has that great accent that I love, and uh, is actually a really really nice guy. I've podcasted with him a couple times, but so Duncan and I are talking on Facebook the other day, and he invites me uh, to uh, become one of the uh, reviewers of uh, upcoming metal music for Rock and Roll Reviews. And nice. uh, so I uh, talked with him. I met the uh, the owner of the site, who was really cool too. And uh, so yeah, every once in a while, you know, once or twice a week, I'm going to be listening to. Uh, they get uh, you know uh, advanced copies of stuff coming out all the time, and that's the thing. They're just like trying to think of people to review all this stuff because they get so much of it. And um, so uh, they've already sent me my first album to uh, to cover and see what I think of. And uh, I'm really really excited to. Uh, write for the site and everything, because writing is something that I like to do, and I think I'm I'm fairly decent at, but I just neglect because I just don't have really stuff to write about. I guess I don't know, and uh, so now I can. So that's always a great release, and it's another way to be creative, you know, and, and stuff. And I just like to be a creative guy. And excellent. So congratulations, good. So thank you, thank you. And, but uh, and you have a track record of of really great reviews and really great interviews. So I mean, this is a this is a win-win for uh, both sides of this. Absolutely, so good job, man. Cool, Very cool. Nice. And uh, just to, I, I guess, just to um, bring up the, the uh, b- b- uh, band I'm going to be talking about. Maybe um, you know, I'm not going to tell you about this new album because I haven't written a re- review yet, and the album's not even out for a couple more weeks. But it's by a band called Feared, 
and they are uh, Swedish, I think. And the guitarist is um, from uh, The Haunted and Six Feet Under. His name is uh, Ola England. And he is fantastic. He's like one of my favorite guitarists now. Um, So uh, they have a new album coming out here in a couple weeks, and they've released, I think, four or five other ones. This is the second CD they're releasing this year in 2013. Earlier they did... (laughs) one and plus he's releasing with the haunted with six feet under <laughs> you know he's like nice. yeah this is insane his schedule so uh, i'll tell you all about the new one which is called Vinter, and uh so that's gonna be my first one and i'm really excited nice but um yeah yeah so and you might be able to kind of bring that here to us too so you can actually uh review these things kind of twice you can Oh, share absolutely. it with their site and certainly <laughs> discuss them here afterwards and turn us on to that same music. That's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, everything's going to, you know, sort of sort of come together and overlap, and I'll be listening to a lot more uh, cool stuff. So, plus, I get everything before you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I'm so broke, you'd probably get it before me anyway, yeah. dude. <laughs> oh, so, that's uh, really exciting. But Rock and Real Reviews is rock... N, the letter N, real, R-E-E-L, reviews.com. So check it out if you get a chance. That's where it's going to be. But um, yeah, It's fine it. that you get it before me because, uh, as I think people well know by this point, that I get my new music news and information from two sources, Midnight Corey, New Jersey, <laughs> Nick, at this point. <laughs> yes. So that's the fine. Devil Th- thanks for, yeah. thanks <laughs> for doing my work for me. Appreciate You're it. Welcome. Sweet. Nice. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, wow. Well, uh, the topic of this episode, um, officially who came up with this? This is the sort of the product of a discussion. Uh, Nick, do we give you credit for, for sort of being mm-hmm. the one here? No, I think it's, I said something about Dio and Mike challenged me on it. And we decided that we would discuss the truth about Dio mm-hmm. or we would get, investigate the truth about Dio. Yes. I don't know what that means, but we'll find out. We Sounds will. good. I'm down like Chinatown. Bring it. All right. Do you remember well, what it was that I said that uh, made you so mad? Okay, one did not make <laughs> me mad. Just shocked me more than anything. Um, okay, I like to I like to joke it up and make it sound like you were being rude. You weren't. Um, but you you said I forget the 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 precursor to the, to what brought it up. But we were discussing music and relevance and um, kind of like what made this person so so great. You know, and you kind of brought up um, at one point, why was Dio so beloved? Why was he so big in, a, in a, being an older guy in a time of young, crazy music? Why he was so loved? Right. I think it was more along the lines of um, I think that Dio at this point is fairly overrated in my own opinion. That was what so you that's said. kind I of our jumping overrated. Off. Yeah, right. I uh, think see, that that's our jumping. I'm off. getting pissed off already. Again. <laughs> see what Sorry. happens. See. Uh, before so, before tempers flare, gentlemen, let's listen to a minute of Dio and take a deep breath. Sure. And then we'll come back and uh, we will we will tear into each other because this is going to be good. This is going to be good. So here here's some tasty Dio.
There we are. There we are. Um, a, a cross section, you know, of, of just a few things, because Dio isn't my forte uh, when it comes to a, even music in general, especially metal. Um, so there are a, a, several tracks uh, which you which were represented here that I've heard a hundred billion times though because they got so much radio play. You know, it seemed like every time that I turned on classic rock radio, I heard "Man on the Silver Mountain." Sure. And um, and uh, but I never I never connected it with Dio. Actually, I never realized that uh, that, that Rainbow was actually uh, uh, his thing. And uh, so, very cool, very cool. Um, so Dio uh, started off just a little uh, history here, and then we'll get into what's up with Dio. Um, uh, he started off <laughs> he started off in like doo-wop bands, like in the fifties, and it totally I, I started it, going back in some history here, and I didn't realize he went clear back into the fifties and really started out like. Uh, doing uh, stuff that reminded me that Spinal Tap was sort of parodying. <laughs> um, and it actually, that makes sense. Actually, Spinal Tap, I think, uh, was directly parodying uh, Dio's early career. Um, but uh, so it's funny, you know, he, he did sort of, you know, a lot of crooner kind of things. And, um, but then he, he wanted to get into uh, more rock. And so he was in a band called Elf. After Elf, he was in Rainbow. After Rainbow, he was in Dio. Um, and I, I think uh, Sabbath came in there somewhere. Black Sabbath yeah. sort of recruited him. And then he left Sabbath and continued doing Dio. And then there was Heaven and Hell, which was sort of Sabbath, but it w- wasn't. And um, then that's uh, sort of what he's done here through the years. And of course, he uh, passed away about uh, three years ago in uh, 2010 from stomach cancer, which was uh, very sad and made huge metal news. And it it, it sort of raised the question in my mind, too, uh, because I was never like, you know, Dio's never like never been something that really like yanked my crank. You know, it was it was always something like he he was sort of there. I heard him a million times and and stuff. But it was never anything. I'm just like, yeah, that wow, this is this is awesome. But he seems so beloved. When he died, you know, everyone seemed to be talking about it. All the metal sites, all the music sites, everyone was talking about him, ta- talking about how great of a guy he was, and and he was sort of the the voice in metal. Uh, nobody you know could really come near him. So um, I was surprised too. I'm just like, wow, wow. After all these years, he's sort of an old man, and his music isn't really that edgy anymore, at least. Um, so what's up, but that, that's my perspective. And just to give some background. So guys, what, uh, that's, what do you think? That's good background. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, you, that was really thorough. All right. Um, <laughs> well, first off, uh, I'll, I'll defer the commentary to my, my brother and, and arms and friend, uh, New Jersey, Nick, you, you may, uh, you may take the floor. Right. Um, I feel a strangely, uh, different than Corey does a little because i think i actually like dio more than Corey does but i certainly like him for different reasons than mike does because i don't i don't really like dio's 70 rock 70s rock stuff so much um i like some of the stuff he did with sabbath and i like you know some of the stuff from uh the band dio but i like him in a way <laughs> this is this is the way I look at metal. Sometimes there is good stuff that is serious and heavy and wonderful and glorious. Vikings riding horses into battle, motherfucker. <laughs> That's metal. But as you move towards the other end of the spectrum, there is this whole other wing of metal that I would call 
cheese dick. <laughs> you get into the stuff that gets like either really goofy, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Um, you get into just like the weird side of metal. And you know it's out there. You know what I'm talking about. Bands um, that have uh, nonsensical lyrics or are, are just so so serious that you can't take them seriously. Man of War, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> like, do I like some Man of War songs? Ashamedly. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. But then yet you still have Vikings riding into battle with Man of War. Yeah. But, um, in fact, like the best Man of War. Anyway, um, shit. But I think Dio is one of these older guys who look at performing arts as show business. Like, it doesn't matter if he ended up doing opera, if he ended up in a doo-wop band, or if he ended up in a metal band, he would have, he, he looks at it as an act. And I think that other guys I look at the same way, sort of like Ozzy or um, Al- Alice Cooper, when you hear them talk about, um, you know, them being in music and stuff, uh, they, they sound like they're playing to a part a lot of times. Uh, everybody remembers in the Osborne's TV show when Ozzy was watching the spaceship, he was going to ride in on to his concert and he was like, but I'm the Prince of Darkness. I can't have bubbles, you know? <laughs> and, um, that was hysterical. I gotta say, <laughs> maybe <laughs> we should review fucking that. Sometime. Darkness. This is bubbles. Sharon, <laughs> what are you doing? Yes, exactly. See, and like, I think that they look at it as like, they're playing a, a character in an act. Um, and I think that that's because of the way that show business sort of was then, especially because there wasn't metal. And now that there is metal, I think that people take it a little bit more seriously. Um, and I think that maybe DL lacked an understanding of what heavy metal is. And that's why I kind of always put him towards the cheese dick side of things. <laughs> but I still do like his songs. But I mean, the stuff I like, I tend to like ironically. And um, just because it's that ridiculous metal, like Man of War is a good example where you could just like, you know, sing along in your car and you're clenching your fist and you don't even know why. That sort of thing. <laughs> because I think it's a reflex now. But while I yes. was playing that little Dio clip, I was actually uh, I was I was doing the devil horns sign, you know, I think during yeah. uh, uh, Rainbow in the Dark or something, you know, because it's just um, and, uh, you know, we do add you know, that. Uh, I think I said this before, of course, he is sort of responsible for the name of this podcast. And yeah, but that's another thing huge. that, like, I think he's very well known for inventing the devil horn symbol, okay? That's one of the first responses we got on Facebook when you were like, hey, guys, what do you think of Dio? And somebody wrote back, I forget who, but they just wrote in, like, he invented the devil horns. And it's like, that's not even an opinion. That's a statement, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and that's what people would say about D- metal fans would say about Dio, probably predominantly. And it's like, I don't doubt that he made some contributions. I just think that like uh, in the grand scheme of things, he's kind of looked at maybe in a greater light than he should be. That's where I'm at. Hmm. And cheese dick is the uh, the term you would choose <laughs> to use for uh, this gentleman. Well, uh, sort of. Sort of. <clears throat> um, okay. How's that rhetoric? Go- <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. 
I feel like a one-legged cat burying turds in a frozen pond. Uh, Corey, sorry. was there was there anything you wanted to mention on on top of those statements? Because I think I'm going to surprise Mister New Jersey Nick with some of my reply. Did you want to say sorry. anything before I got? Apologize for nothing, sir. <laughs> well, um, only that. Actually, Nick, I'm, I'm a lot closer to, I think, where you are now, having uh, listened to a lot more Dio these past few weeks and finding out more about him and who he was and sort of his philosophy towards music. And I found out exactly what you said. It's that, you know, he was he was more of a he was a very musical guy. He started in opera. You know, that's that's where he started. And he went through, like I said, the doo-wop phase and, and more of a classic rock kind of thing and metal. And uh, he... I. You know, he could have sang in any genre and been great, you know, opera included. I, I really think that. Um, so now I, I have a huge respect for him and his voice and that he just chose to manifest it that way. Um, and, you know, I, I, I did enjoy going through and listening uh, to the albums that I did. Um, you know, it's not something I'm going to put in all the time, but uh, it's something this guy has a ton of talent and he used his voice so well and uh, he knew how to do it. And uh, I think uh, he was really good to his fans. He never heard anything uh, really bad about him. Um, he seemed like a, a really sort of a pleasant guy. I know he, he had disagreements with certain people through the years, but, uh, you know, I don't think anybody hated the guy. So, you know, that's, um, I don't know. I, I really have a lot more respect for him now, and uh, I'm really glad that I did. And I would coin, especially Dio's style of metal, as more like classic metal. Like, mm. it, it's something... You know, he he brings in sort of a classical element uh, into rock and then he, using heavier riffs then with, a, you know, so, um, you know, I almost, I, I sort of, I, I think of Cliff Burton kind of when I think of Dio because Cliff was a classically trained, uh, he knew a ton about music and I think he could have done other things than metal music and I'm not uh, so familiar with what he did outside of Metallica to know if he actually did any of that but I know he was classically trained he probably played more than bass and um, it just manifested you know in Metallica or grew to uh, you know I think a lot of uh, uh, notoriety and respect uh, through that but um, yeah I just think this is a really really gifted guy who uh, j was interested in this genre and liked to um, use his talents that way and uh so, yeah. And uh, basically, I think the only thing I never, the only reason I never gave him uh, a lot of listening when I was younger is because the first time I found out about Dio is whenever my parents were going through this satanic rock sort of, you know, obsession in the 80s. And they would bring me, they would rent VHS tapes from the Christian bookstore in town uh, that were all about metal and they'd play Led Zeppelin backwards and Beatles backwards. And yeah. then they'd, on the big screen behind the speaker, he'd put up a, a, a shot of Dio's Holy Diver and, you know, where the demon is strangling the priest with the chain. And then, uh, you know, of course, uh, their next album, I forget what it's called, but it has the demon thing making the devil horns, you know, sort of thing. And they put these up and, and then they turn Dio's logo upside down and say, here, it spells devil when you turn it upside down, which it, which it you know, kind of does use your imagination a little bit. And, uh, and that's been, uh, you know, he's been asked about that and it was uh, unintentional, if, uh, if anything. So, um, but yeah, so I, I was never even allowed to go near a Dio album uh, when I was uh, under my parents' uh, guidance. So, 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think when I did hear Dio early on on the radio, like I said, he got a lot of airplay on the classic rock stations. I don't think I ever realized it was him. I never put two and two together. Um, so that's uh, that's where it is. Quite have the evil you'd been told he had, huh? No, and that's I've, maybe that's another thing because you know I was like you know Dio is the great demon of our uh, of our generation, and this guy he's he's the antichrist. He's satanic. He probably worships the devil and drinks blood out of skulls and everything. And then I'm I'm hearing it, and it's like I'm the man on the silver mountain. You know, yeah, is like, there any voice Corey can't do? That was I know. Like, perfect. Really? It's kind of like the first time I heard the Grateful Dead. You know, I'm like the Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead. These guys are going to be hard. These guys are going to be crazy. Like, That's what I thought when I was young, dude. Down New Orleans. <laughs> you know, and so it's a sit, you know, I, I think that element of like, wow. Wow, I've been led to believe, I think, something uh, completely untrue and that misrepresented Dio. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's really all I have to add. Um, so, um, Well, good points, both of you. Um, I will say, though, I, I do take offense to the term cheese dick, but, <laughs> but I will say... No, it's not. It's not so much going to school, but we need to. We're not going to really break any news about Dio that no one already knows. I'm not an authority on Dio. All I know is my own personal feelings and uh, Wikipedia, like everybody else. Okay, so uh, I don't have this crazy insight to Dio. But when I first think of Dio, I I always thought of him as kind of like almost the start of metal. I know everybody wants to credit certain bands as the beginning of metal, but um, he started performing in 1957. Okay, folks, that's when Elvis was performing and looking good. Okay, mm-hmm. that's how far back this goes. He was born. This is this is a bit of controversy because I've heard from a lot of music sources, from reputable musicians, people that knew him that say he was older than he ever said he was. W- Wiki says he was born in uh, 42. That's this man here is six years younger than my father. Okay. So I have to bear that in mind, and, and you guys can figure out how old he would have been in relation to probably your grandparents would be an easier mark to make, okay? Maybe for Nick. I mean, being you know young 30s, maybe that would be the best mark. But uh, he was a young guy in a doo-wop band before metal existed. He was performing. He knew classical, he, and, to, and to him... There was no metal. He didn't have to follow this pre-made path of let's be serious, let's be heavy. It was just rock. He he cut his teeth through doo-wop, through the hippie period, uh, all those old awful bands or whatever from the 60s until um, Rainbow. Well, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Elf. Uh, which Elf, I'm sorry, is real hard to listen to. Okay. <laughs> And I'm going to be, I'm going to be, I think for me personally, very generous when I say that. Uh, I was l- trying to listen over the last couple of weeks and I just kept going, ooh, ooh. I'm thinking, okay, but let's bear in mind this is like 1960s, um, yeah, early 70s or whatever. So I, I've got to lay that aside. But this is a guy who started his career as a showman, as a performer before evil was even, uh, evil when he was starting his, his, was, was how Elvis was swinging his hips. Like, come on, I mean, wow, let's look yeah. at the honest timeline. That was evil music when he was starting. So I can forgive 
any path he took from there because satanic music, faux satanic music, Christian, none of all well, Christian did exist, but I mean, but, but that kind of stuff just wasn't around, you know? And, uh, he, he came up as we all know, this isn't, this isn't news, but when he started, uh, I don't know, I think he was just, just so much of a showman and he didn't get caught up in the nonsense. And his music, yes, is incredibly dated. Dio is incredible. I, I, I had a great time listening back to songs I listened to on my Walkman when I was, you know, in the 80s skating around. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, old Dio is, I have a lot of good memories, but I'm sure a lot of that is a time and a place thing for me because of how old I was. But his music, for the most part, is really clean really pure it is what it is he he was larping around on stage that's what he did that's what he always did i do appreciate that he dressed like a wizard i did and oftentimes when he autographed things for people he just signed it magic and then ronnie james dio because to him the music was magic the interaction was magic the love for the fans gave him the love he gave the fans was magic you you talked to and and yeah he had a few uh, disagreements but You'll be hard pressed to find somebody that said, you know what, that son of a bitch stayed three hours after the show to make sure everybody got an autograph and be angry about it. He cared about the fans because at the, at the end of the day, when, when, when metal really started to take off in the 80s, how old was he? I mean, he's coming up on, you know, he's in his 40s. When metal really starts to take off, and he's already built this career of being an onstage guy, a theatrical guy, he he was he was I mean, theatrical without all the crazy blood and guts and gore. He used the mind, and his lyrics were not deep, and no, they shouldn't have been because he came out of the doo-wop era, you know. But he was what he was, and he was safe. Uh, contrary to what Corey was told growing up, Ronnie James Dio was about as safe in metal as you were ever going to get because it was just a bit of imagery. And you read the lyrics, and it's very, it's very simple. Uh, but some of his, some of his uh, lyrics were kind of deep, uh, looking at the human perspective and about magic and wizards and you know and demons and these things. But uh, it was always very safely done because he was he was just a good guy just out there playing. And um, I don't know. I love him because he reminds me of like my heavy metal grandfather. I think a lot of people see him that way. In a time when bands went off and flocked to commercialism and and that big '80s like Satan explosion, he kind of laughed and just kept doing what he did. You know, he he didn't need to chase that. He was he sang about rainbows. Come on, guys, a rainbow in the dark, and and you're and, and people are going to worry about. Well, was he this? Was he that? He was a showman, and he had one hell of a voice, and that's why he's loved because he was always good to his fans. Oh, I'm sure you guys read the story here on Wikipedia. Someone put that he uh, he stayed like three hours in the pouring rain to sign autographs for people when anybody else would have just taken off because he really did love his fans. Probably because he was old enough to be all of their. You know, he was he could have been their father. Most of these people, you know, but those who know say he was older than he was. Ronald James Patavona, though noted as being born in 1942, many say he was he was probably over 70 when he died. And to be performing on stage with heaven and hell, still kicking ass when you're 67 years old. Are you fucking kidding me? He never gave up. He never gave up on the medal of the fans, which is why he has loved so much, why he is missed. And no, he has not been a, a, a rocking machine ever. He was never the heavy guy. 
God, see, I'm babbling now. Someone cut me off and disagreed. This is good. Oh, no, hey. no. This is, this is good. <laughs> Corey's off making a sandwich. Like, ah, I can still hear him. He's running his ass yeah, off. Yeah, you, <laughs> you were talking about Dio. No, you know, right? it's not even like I really disagree with anything that you say um, because I do not doubt at all his showmanship or his um, his charisma. Um, I guess basically what I disagree with, I mean, even agree with, because you do agree with me on it, his lyrics aren't that great. But, I mean, when I hear them and I actually think about them, it kind of hurts my brain. I have some chosen here that I'd like to bring up. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sure these won't be at all. Uh... <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, these aren't random ones. These aren't, I mean, these are like, you know, some of his well-known songs. Heaven and Hell from See the Sabbath. Witch. We may never, ever, ever come home with the power that we share. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, sing me a song, you're a singer. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dio. Sing me a song, you're a singer. Do me a wrong, you're a bringer of evil. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the devil is never a maker. You know that for sure. Hmm. The less that you give, you're a taker. So it's on and on and on. It's heaven and hell. Oh, well. The lover of life's not a sinner. The end is just a beginner. Or the ending is just a beginner. The closer you get to the meaning, the sooner you'll know that you're dreaming. It's just like silly, like <laughs> stuff that's written to rhyme. And um, when I read it, when I read it. appropriate to his time period, yes. <laughs> well, this was, come on, this was uh, late 70s, early 80s. Um, I think that it makes me smile, okay? And I don't, and I'm not even saying that I like hate these lyrics, but, uh, you know. Uh, they're they're goofy. Let's move to another one, right? Sabbath again. Um, <laughs> Zero the hero. Okay. Um, uh, by, well, let's mention by the way that Tony Iommi thinks these lyrics rock. Let's just go there. <laughs> briefly. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard Tony Iommi's solo album? Okay. He, well, he, he, he he sets the bar low for lyrics. All right. <laughs> now again, you know you've you've got me there. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Dio is mountains above Tony Iommi's lyrics. Okay. Uh, but it's, you know what? They're similar though, because there's still that silly, silly lyrics. Um, you sit there and watch it all that burn down. It's easy and breezy for you. You play your life to a different sound. No edge, no edge. You got no knife. Have you, your life is a six lane highway to nowhere. (laughs) You're going so fast. You're never going to make it down there. What the heroes, where the heroes sit by the river with a magic in their music as they eat raw liver. (laughs) Like, wow. it's silly, but it's like I would compare that to like some Motorhead songs that I love that are like completely stupid, but I love them because they're goofy, like um, Eat the Rich from Motorhead, you know, <laughs> that is <a> silly song. <laughs> uh, eat Greek or eat Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fucking great. Um, but I'm sitting here and I'm laughing as I'm telling you these stupid ass lyrics because it's like that's what it is to me. That's where the goofiness comes from, this whole strange spirit. And maybe it's because he put in so much effort into something that essentially, like, at its heart was kind of goofy. Maybe that's why I look at him sort of ironically. Like, when you see, like, a really done, well-done YouTube video um, that is on, like, something completely inane or whatever, and you're just like, man, I appreciate this guy's love for it, but it's goofy as fuck. You know, I think, you know, now I'm, I'm I'm thinking of these lyrics and I'm like, yeah, these are goofy and don't really make any sort of sense. Um, but I, I think when I was listening to them previously, like I knew I didn't understand them, 
And to be honest with you, that's how a lot of lyrics are to me. You know, I, I we talked about this before. How you know, I just don't really care that much about lyrics. I mean, you can literally silly talk your way through a song, and as long as you have that passion, and you make me think that they make sense, then that's good enough for me. You, you've done the work for me. So somewhere out there, somehow, this does make sense, but I'm just not going to bother to think about it hard enough to to really make the connection. So I think that's what Dio was for me. I think I assumed, I'm like, wow, he is doing it. He's a really good singer. He has the look. This is the evil guy. So this, man, this means something. I'm sure it means something. I don't know what, but it, it's got to mean something. So, okay, great. And, <laughs> See, uh, I also I also think back to um, the Tenacious D song, Dio. Yes. And I think that that also um, sculpts my view of him, perhaps unfairly. <laughs> uh you know, he approved of that song, by the way. So, I'm sure he did. He passed his cape and scepter on. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Doesn't Tenacious D sort of embody this whole spirit and sort of, uh, I don't know, mock or parody it uh, to a certain extent? I think Dio's the, the perfect one um, to uh, to sort of equate them to when it comes to you know what they're poking fun at. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know what it is to me. This is Ronnie James Dio's. Um, interpretation of evil because he's not an evil guy. Hmm. He, all that was laid upon him. He's writing these songs about, you know, it, uh, last in line is a great example. Okay, all this, all this nonsense. Yeah, it's kind of nonsense, but he, he, he wasn't a Satan worshiper. He was just some, some guy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Who came out of a band called Elf, you know, after singing, you know, Peggy Sue and all this other shit. And to him, this was this was his personal darkness because he wasn't a dark guy. He just wasn't. You know, he happened to be in the right place at the right time with a great voice and great presence, which is why he. I mean, he performed up until like just before he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so yeah, he's he's not. And, and I I will take I will take a, a bit of disagreement with you're breaking down his lyrics, but laugh your way through Austrian Death Machine. Fucking makes no sense. <laughs> exactly. But I like it for its ridiculousness. Okay. All right. All right. Um, but I, it just, just to me, he was, he was being as honest as he could be, not coming from a heavy metal background. Now, if Dio was performing, if he was starting his career today, we would say, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah. And we would, because we would say, "This has no relevance." But bear in mind, this is barely even metal. Let's be honest. This was hard rock that kind of mm-hmm. tiptoed into metal, in and out, in and out. Um, it wasn't, but we could, well, he was classified as heavy metal. He was classified as evil because of, of, of the devil horns, which is he would happily tell you was what his grandma would do to ward away the evil. It was the evil eye. It shunned evil. Somehow that became, yes, I love Satan to everybody else. And to him, it's like, no, this is what my grandmother did. Seriously. Our podcast is named after what Ronnie James Dio grand- <laughs> grandmother's hand did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's wow. a fairly strong argument. <laughs> that's where he's coming from. How metal? How heavy is he supposed to be? My God, when he when metal started, he's older than I am at this point. You know, and that's that's crazy to me. I think we we his career was so long and started so early. We forget how old he was when he was doing this. Uh, he's older than Ozzy by leaps and bounds. How old is Ozzy now? Pushing seventy. Yeah, is he up there? Okay, uh, and he and he of course filled in 
uh, for Black Sabbath after they fired Ozzy for being loaded. And that's, hey, you know what? That's his deal. Um, I, I've never been the biggest Ozzy fan. I mean, I like, you know, I, I, you know let, me, let me rephrase that. I've never been a big Sabbath guy. Never have. Um, I liked Ozzy a little bit in the 80s. I appreciate Ozzy, and I'm, I'm entertained by Ozzy. Um, but I've always liked his guitarist more, personally. Uh, but I, I do like the guy. But I did like uh, Sabbath better with Ronnie James Dio. I just I think I like Dio's voice better. I think he had he had a better voice, a stronger voice, um, and that's just my personal. People go back and forth on this. There is no right answer. It's strictly opinion. Um, but I mean, God, the guy died at sixty-seven, reportedly a couple years ago, and he was still performing. What do you want from this guy? And I say that to anybody who goes, I don't get it. Now, I think he's he's beloved. Uh, because he was a good guy and all this stuff, but also anytime someone dies, suddenly they were a great person. Yeah, you've yeah. all known like, like we, we've all had that great uncle that used to beat the shit out of his wife, but when he died, oh, he was a saint, really, because he used to beat the <laughs> shit out of Aunt Edna all the time when he right. and when he, he would drink. You know, when someone dies, they get elevated to that next level. Um, Dimebag, I, I would say also. Um, Mm-hmm. And rightfully so was elevated to that iconic like up there like what like what they did with Randy Rhodes. Oh my God, he was a god. Well, they do the same thing with with Dimebag, and I think it is deserved. But um, but all the other stuff falls away, and you're looked at just with these beautiful eyes. And I think mm-hmm. that's what happened with Dio because uh, while his while his music was never the heaviest, never the most serious, and I, I certainly will agree with that. Um, people felt safe with his music, aside from Corey's parents. Everybody else felt <laughs> safe with his music because they knew at the time he's an old dude. He's out there. He's rocking. He's doing his thing. But we don't have to worry about him snorting eight pounds of crystal meth and setting the town on fire because it's only Ronnie James Dio. Yeah, that's something else, you know, I, I, I guess I really respect about the man is that he was never like he never had that reputation that like Ozzy. Had. You know, he was sort of the, the polar opposite from Ozzy when it came to living it up and partying and, and stuff, because um, I don't know if he ever tried drugs. I don't I don't know if he drank or anything like that. If he did, it had no effect whatsoever on his life and his right. performance and his his image. Um, whereas, you know, people like Ozzy and then, you know, like Motley Crue and, and everyone like that. That's basically that's what people know them for. <laughs> you know, Ozzy was the guy that got loaded. All the time, and still does, and uh, is crazy, and so that's the legacy they leave. Uh, but nothing of that sort from Dio. You know, he he never got uh, you know kicked out of a hotel for trashing it. You know, he never you know <laughs> got drunk, shot his mouth off, and uh, you know things like that. He he just that's not what he did. Um, so I I have a lot of respect for him for uh, you know being I think an anomaly. Um, in uh, especially metal and, and rock, you know, a lot of even classic rock coming out of the 70s, you know, everyone was getting high and uh, making some music and stuff. But uh, he didn't seem to uh, really uh, put a lot of, um, you know, find that kind of stuff very important. Um, so, um, you know, I, th- I think that's really respectable because I know that, that the people he was touring with and probably people in his band even um, were probably living it up pretty good. And so the uh, the, the temptation... I'm sure it was there and right in his face, but uh, you know, I think he held it together pretty well, and so it uh, takes a lot. I think he was a very strong guy in that uh, in that regard. Even though he was, I think, in real life, very very small. Yeah. Oh, I want to say he's like 
four eleven or something. Yeah. And again, tr- about a buck ten. Right. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I'm trying to look here uh, at the album releases for uh, Dio. Okay, so Dio started uh, his first credited here is releasing. Okay, well it says eighty two um, was when uh, Holy Origins and Holy Diver uh, broke. Bear in mind that was the first real touch, aside from Rainbow, um, which was also kind of big in the you know later in in the seventies. Uh, but when Dio started with Dio, he was forty years old. <laughs> I mean, my God, that was late in the game. Nick, when were you born? What year? I forget. Nineteen eighty one. Eighty one. You were one year old when he started in metal. <laughs> Good grief. So, I mean, you know, that's a great point. I mean, you know, I, I guess God, I look now back. I feel old as shit now. <laughs> Sorry. Damn. Oh, I look I look back and I think I just compare them unfairly now with things. You know, I compare them, you know, with with other things going on since then, you know, like Metallica and Megadeth and, um, you know, even newer stuff. You know, he's certainly you know, <laughs> he's not Cannibal Corpse for crying out loud, Corey. Do you, <laughs> no. do you expect, no. you know, that? And I, I think maybe I did. And I don't know why, because. At the time, you look at it, and he was a pioneer, uh, actually, in, in the metal genre. And, uh, it was, you know, growing up with a lot of other pioneers sort of around him, but he sort of did his own thing um, and was sort of starting from square zero. I mean, there, there, was, there was no foundation of metal to build on here that I think, you know, all the bands since then have had the uh, advantage of working with. You know, he, he created this genre. I mean, he, he helped create this genre. Uh, had nothing to work with, and so that's that's huge. That's huge. But it's just like, can you listen to it today and and still take it seriously and enjoy it? And you know, it's good for a nostalgic thing, you know, like like I yeah. was saying and and Mike. But you know, it's it's certainly not something I'm <laughs> gonna bust out for a long, long time again. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's it's a walk down memory lane. I'm the exact same. You're not gonna hear me listening to Dio. Uh, but what I do. I do like to go on YouTube. There's a great clip of him and Ozzy both doing uh, War Pigs Live. They're really? trading off. Oh, it's good. I will check that out. Nice. See, right right now on YouTube, I'm I'm listening. Uh, Corey was just saying stuff that came after Dio is what he compared it to. Holy Christ, I'm listening to Heaven and Hell, or excuse me, Black Sabbath um, with Ian Gillian, Gillen singing uh, Heaven and Hell. And it's fucking balls. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I can't deal with it. Uh, but yeah, I will look up that Ozzy and Dio clip because that's got to be fucking cool. Um, but I don't know that I really have much else to say about it. I I kind of feel that Mike made the strongest argument in telling us that uh, uh, our podcast is named after Dio's grandma. <laughs> That's pretty pretty much the argument that wins it, I guess. Not that it, we're really having an argument more than a discussion, but no, I I kind of look at things a little bit differently. But he's still, in my own opinion, the second best singer to uh, it, Black Sabbath. Hmm. But not the third best. You're picking Ian, Ian goes first for you? <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, oh, I had that backwards. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, oh man, I've I've been you know just scratching you know scraping up for things to say about Dio here. So I'm 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 about spent here. I I don't have a whole lot to draw on in the first place. But I'm glad we did this, and I'm glad that uh, you know, I was sort of forced to listen to a lot and just learn about the man. I I think that was really important his place in history. Um, so I have new respect for him. And yeah, I mean listening to his voice now. I mean really listening to a lot of him <laughs> in the past few weeks. Um, 
I have a new respect for his voice because it was so strong. You know, coming out of a wee little man like that, you know, a, a lot of this power, uh, it, it was great. Um, and, and watching, you know, some live stuff on, on YouTube and everything, he, he never had a bad performance as far as I can tell. Of course, I haven't seen them all. But, you know, from from what I've seen, I'm like, man, you know, you see some, you know, some bands and the singer might might miss a word here or there. He might be a little off key for this or that or whatever. And that's just playing live, you know, for, for a lot of people. But Dio just seemed to really be on his game a lot. And so, um, you know, this this guy was the real deal. And uh, I appreciate him now. Won't listen to him much, but um, I, I appreciate him. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to him. Either. I mean, you know. <laughs> Walk to memory, like, or, or, or example, okay, but like, uh, 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 well, I'm digging this shit back up. Our conversation has clearly come to an end. But uh, Holy Diver being covered by Kill Switch, what a great mm. version that oh, is! Absolutely, I love oh, that fucking my cover. God, that's I good. And you know what, dude? Like, that's they played it live too, a couple of times that I've seen them. It's fucking awesome. But uh, that's kind of like I feel like their love of it too is the same way as like mine and a lot of other people's that it is kind of an ironic uh you know look at a at a song and and like that's fun to sing along to and i think that that's what i like about dio's stuff too is that like a lot of it is really just fun to be goofy with like when when the rock band games were really popular i loved playing dio's stuff you know Mm -hmm. uh and rainbow in the dark was on there and holy diver and uh you know, I love singing those just because it's like fun to have that goofy sort of karaoke moment with. I I totally agree with you, Nick. Mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd like to bust your balls, but I agree. I think I look back on Dio and his work, and I go, "Oh, not yes," you know. So it's, <laughs> I'm with you on that. It's it's very tongue in cheek, but uh, but again, another performer who brought it every night until his last performance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, my hats off to the man. Yep, 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 and it was it, it was fun singing that little man on the silver mountain kind of thing that I did. That was fun, you know, in a <laughs> really cheesy way. So, um, but cool, but cool. And uh, the last thing I'm going to add here, you guys talked about uh, a cover of, of a Dio song, um, and I did bring up Cannibal Corpse. Did you know that Cannibal Corpse did, in fact, during their Chris Barnes era on the Hammer Smashed Face Hammer Smashed Face EP, um, they covered Zero the Hero. As a matter of fact. Zero, I uh, I think I've heard it, yeah, but it, it did <laughs> not stick with that. me. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. But uh, so look that one up too if you're uh, curious. So um, okay, well, great, great, Dio. Um, uh, you know, I'm glad we did this. Uh, I think a lot of uh, questions were answered and things were clarified. It was it was uh, good stuff. So, um, but we want to hear from the listeners as well. And, uh, you know, what's, uh, why do you love Dio or why do you think that Dio just, uh, doesn't make any sense and was perhaps overrated? Um, so, uh, yeah, give us some feedback and, uh, we'll, uh, address it on the show. Speaking of, uh, feedback, uh, are you guys ready for some? Um, oh, yeah. because, uh, we have, uh, three pieces here, actually a couple emails and then an MP3 was sent in. Uh, we'll go through the emails first. Um, first one is, uh, we've heard from him before. His name is Jason from Pittsburgh. So um, I can I'd literally jump in the car right now and probably go to his house and make it there tonight. Um, not that I know who this is or where he lives, but uh, I go to Pittsburgh a lot. Um, was that a threat? I mean, uh, well, it depends what he says. That was like, that, I read that as this feedback better fucking slow down and be nicer next time. That's mm. Did you get picked up on that? I, I, I haven't <laughs> even read this yet. I realize that is kind of creepy. Run, run um, dude, run. I, I, 
I guess I was just being very awkwardly and and everything, just making the point that I'm very close to Pittsburgh and I'm there all the time and I love the city and it's cool that I have a listener so close. Um, but uh, here's what you have to say before to visit <laughs> without any notice. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, again, it depends what he says and if he thinks we're right. Um, okay. This is Jason from Pittsburgh again. Just wanted to write in and congratulate you on the last episode. And of course, he's talking about our um, sort of random episode we did last time uh, with uh, me and Nick. Uh, I completely agree with just about everything you guys said on there. I have a few personal thoughts. Oh, good, Jason. This is uh, looking looking positive for you. Um, I think that the, I think that the recent growing shift towards digital music is a great thing. I didn't always, but I do now. I think a lot of people have spent literal decades amassing a collection of physical copies of albums, be it on vinyl, CD, even still cassette, and seeing the devaluing of what they consider to be their life's passion, and it's a scary thing. As a result, you've got these older guys still pushing to sell the CDs, and even worse, hipsters that refuse to listen to anything that isn't on vinyl, becoming increasingly hostile towards digital music. It's definitely misplaced anger. It's more out of fear that an increasing number of people just won't give a shit about their collections. While I am fully aware that this is not the case with everybody, I, I do personally know, and I'm sure you guys do too, the kind of guys that can't wait to verbally masturbate about some rare record or limited edition copy of an album that they have uh, and will never actually listen to. Uh, these are the same people that will wait in line for hours on record store day, on, on record store day to get that 7-inch that they could give a shit about, and it's sad. Um, so for those of us that really appreciate art, it's a travesty to see it downgraded to a commodity to be fetishized. Music is about feeling, it's about raw emotion, it should have nothing to do with false ideas of ownership. The mere fact that you own rare records doesn't really mean a thing. Um, so actually, I'll, I'll just stop there. He has uh, some more thoughts but uh, that I will uh, get into, but uh, just um, any thoughts on what he has to say there. <laughs> Actually, I, I sort of, uh, you know, I, I sort of agree with this whole, uh, you know, hipster thing going out to get a rare record or, you know, and, uh, I, I collect records myself. I collect vinyl. Um, certainly not obsessed with it, but I have some cool records that, yeah, I am proud of. And it's just like, Hey, look at me. I got, I got this really cool record that makes me cool. So, you know, I think there is sort of that aspect to it. It's not a physical. Yeah. It's uh, more of a collection thing. Yeah. Cause like I have, um, a couple of vinyls. In fact, somebody sent me one of uh, something that you guys don't want to hear, but Ghost. Somebody sent me Ghost BC on vinyl, and it's just fucking cool to have. I have no record player, uh, but it, it's like awesome and red and looks cool. <laughs> Sounds just as good. So, uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, my feelings on this because I wasn't a part of that episode. Um, uh, you know, I I do I love vinyl, not to collect. Uh, I don't have anything. You know, I think I, I did get one cool corrosion of conformity uh, hog head. It's shaped like a pig's head vinyl that really? I got for buying some album. And, I, and the first thing I did was put it on and listen to it. Um, my music collection is to be enjoyed. Uh, I love the feel of vinyl because I have one of those giant old console stereos that's probably going to burn my fucking house down someday <laughs> when it shorts out because it's from 1974. Yes. And. And it's it, it its base is thunderous. So I will say, I, I'm not I'm not a hipster. I love vinyl because it sounds great. I think it sounds way better than CDs, pre, mostly because of compression, 
mm-hmm. which is why there's a movement now of people trying to get music like uh, FLA, FLAC, if I've got that right, yeah, uh, to bring up the sound quality back more towards vinyl. I'm all for getting it digital. I love digital music. I wish it sounded more full to me. Uh, which is why I still I still enjoy my vinyl, but I, I I play everything I buy. I'm not a collector. I'm a I'm a listener. So, hmm. so I I agree with quite a bit of what he said. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. Uh, so let's continue. Um, people like Kirk Hammett have lost touch with what is important. Metallica, to name one, has basically become a musical factory, an assembly line that just churns out a product to be consumed for profit. The music industry version of Mr. Brainwash from Exit Through the Gift Shop. Uh, yeah. it's it's weak and degrading <laughs> to people that actually oh, still look for integrity fuck. in music uh, I'm sorry for him that the days of being a quote rock star are truly going the way of the dinosaurs if I were in his position I would also be confused and afraid lashing out against anything that I perceive to be a threat to my security but you know what I'm not in his position I never will be and I'm fine with that I'll never know the hardships of getting endorsement deals so that companies provide me with mountains of all the best gear available for free even though i could afford to buy it on my own i'll never know how difficult it must be to have a guy whose actual job the way he puts food on the table is to plug in my wah pedal before shows i'll never know what it's like to have have roadies tune my guitars to play outdoor stadiums to positively affect people's lives with my music and then sue them for having it on a hard drive (laughs) this might be the best fucking comment we've ever received by the way I'll never, I'll never have a road manager approach the owners of a venue with a list of my dietary restrictions and a rider packed full of a list of things I'm asking for just to be a dick. And poor, poor Zach Wild. Oh, how absolutely dreadful it must be. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I am loving this. I should have read Bravo. this beforehand. You gotta finish prepare. poor Zach Wild. I gotta <laughs> okay. Oh, how absolutely dreadful it must be to sit on a million-dollar, decked-out, marble-floored, opulent tour bus with my friends and have a stranger drive me around through, through every country in the world. My heart bleeds for that douche. Not for nothing. But if you've ever heard that guy speak candidly, it's pretty obvious he should devote at least some of that downtime to reading books. <laughs> my, three-year-old st- my three-year-old started with The Hungry Caterpillar. Maybe Zach should, too. Just saying. <laughs> People will get angry and say that guy is a musical genius, but I guarantee if he is writing out sheet music, he's doing it in crayon. <laughs> oh. Best comment ever. Jason, I think you're my favorite oh. listener. Very good. Oh. Wow. Uh, no oh, there's, there's, there's more. There's more. And it, <laughs> there's more? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm coming at this from a different point of view than most people. When I was a kid, I grew up loving things like Black Flag, Bad Brains, Minor Threat, Septic Death. Ah. Uh, that was music I loved. Me too, uh, buddy. Yeah. I know where you're coming from. Uh, nice. That was the music I intentionally emulated. Uh, when that is where you are musically, uh, you're actually going into music knowing that you will never make a living doing what you love. You know people won't like it. You know it's not going to ever be on the radio. You know that you're actually going to lose money by truly following your heart, and you don't care. You don't care because it's not a job to you. It's not what you want to do. It's what you have to do. So I never had those kind of aspirations. I see them as incredibly negative. As a result, I always thought that the idea of, quote, rock stars was kind of goofy. I think ultimately what digital music and downloading is doing is positive in several ways. First is obvious, anyone can release an album. I can record an album in my basement and within minutes after posting it, some guy in Helsinki can be downloading it. That's amazing. Second, worst case scenario for career musicians, everything can be found for free somewhere. 
This is a good thing too. Personally, I think what this will do is weed out the Kirk Hammetts and the Orgies from the people with a genuine passion for creating music. If you can't make money from it any longer, the only people making music will be the people that have to. If musicians are angry about something like that, well then, I'm not at all interested in the music those guys would have created anyway. Uh, they would only end up Truth. being a speed bump of triviality anyway. Thanks again for listening. Jason from Pittsburgh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, sir. Brilliant. I'm speechless. Uh, yeah. This, and that's uh, the, wow. that, dude, that's the absolute fucking truth. Uh, if people who didn't have to make music for their job didn't have to make music, then the music that would get made would be fucking genuine. It would be fucking sincere and honest. And that's what I like in my music, too. I'm all for that. Mm. Yeah. I think something Kirk has forgot or maybe never really and completely understood was the fact that most bands, especially during the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, would happily tell you they made their money touring. They made their money on the road with the live performance and merch sales, which is why Metallica would do a four-year tour across the world twice for every album they put out because they made so much fucking money. Um, so the fact that... Um, uh, and that, and of course, music changing. I know I'm just I'm paraphrasing on a podcast that I should have fucking been on instead of missing it. But, uh, but the fact that people started making singles instead of albums changed the dynamic, and that digitally made it easier for everybody to make and put out, and people started seeking that one big hit, not the big album. I mean, Metallica and Kirk um, know these things and simply can't adjust to the times, but they knew it at the time, which is why they toured four years for every fucking album. So I don't, I don't know why he's even bringing this up. That's not where he made his money in the first place. Elektra and everybody yeah. else took that album money. They always <laughs> did. Are, are they still on Elektra or have they moved off? I don't even know. It's been so many years. Oh, I don't know. I just always assume major label things yeah. for them. So I thought I that know. they got absorbed into somebody else. Hmm. They I don't care. I don't but, give a fuck. <laughs> But they would have told you back then, oh, we make our money touring, selling uh, all these T-shirts that are drawn by Pusshead that we've been selling. and probably. How much money did you pay him for all that artwork, Kirk, by the way, since you not only sold uh, posters, T-shirts, skateboards, and everything else, the fucking Zorlak picture on it? How much did you pay Pusshead since he drew that? I'm curious. Fuck it, it doesn't matter. He's not going to tell me. But, um, but it is what it is, and that's the best feedback we've ever received. Thank you, sir. Yes, yes. Wow. Uh, next, uh, next email, uh, actually has to do with Ask Jack and it's, uh, it, it's shorter than Jason was. It's from a listener by the name of Albert. He said, great show. Love the Hank three and Ask Jack review. By the way, Austrian death machine isn't the only Arnold tribute band. There is also Arno core. Mm -hmm. hmm. I am, uh, aware of them, but I don't know their music. I probably listened to some on the internet someplace, but I don't recall. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. I'll look them up. Um, being more of a classic metal fan... Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have... No, no. I was just oh. going to say, if, if I did hear them, they certainly didn't make the impact <laughs> that uh, Austrian Death Machine did. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, being more of a classic metal fan, I'd love to hear your guys' take on The Sword, Apocryphon, um, and uh, Retro Metal in general. I think most of it is pretty meh, but uh, I dig The Sword. Uh, their love Ale the sword. is also decent. Um, sorry. There's also uh, too many subgenres and bands that are multi-genre to list. I was wondering if you plan on doing any more overviews like you did with Christian metal, maybe Prague or Norwegian black metal. Um, and I say absolutely. I, I'm, I'm totally oh, yeah. for uh, like the retro metal that you know we see with like the Sword and there are even other uh, newer bands out there like um, uh, Cadaver, 
with a K. Uh, I don't know if you guys listen to them. Uh, Orchid. I, I, um, yeah. that are kind of, you know, they're, they're sort of, they go back to, um, you know, they're almost, almost classic, you know, they're very Sabbathy, you know, like mm-hmm. early seventies Sabbathy, but I, I would still say that they're, they're metal and there's, they're this whole retro metal thing. Oh yeah, um, man. I remember the first time I heard the sword, it was on headbangers ball and it was on like a, one of those episodes where it's like every single band was just sounded exactly the same and it was just all you know the mindless screaming that sort of filled metal in the mid 2000 uh, mm. the double o's the aughts whatever you want to call that decade where it was like a lot of just blah 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 not, not and like every song sounded the same and then winter wolves came on the video for it mm. and it was like we're about one minute from the guys just going blah 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 and like then the guitars started and i was like dude this sounds awesome and then he started to sing and i was just like blown away mm-hmm. from then on and i really really love the sword um i i haven't heard whatever their last thing was after um after their space rock album warp riders i don't know that i've heard the new ep no i did hear it um and I remember enjoying it. I need to add it to my Spotify. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I definitely love The Sword, and people should check them out. If you want kind of a fuzzy, dirty rock sound, um, it's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, St. Vitus, you know, would be another one, you know, really cool. Oh, yeah. sort, of, uh, sort of. So I, I, I definitely think that's uh, fantastic. And even asking about these other genres, you know, oh yeah, and we're really just getting started. You know, we don't even have really ten episodes out, and uh, we're definitely, you know, looking to explore and uh, do other uh, do other sub sub genres and really really get into sludge metal, doom metal. Oh yes. God, stone. There's so so <laughs> so many places we could go. Oh, and I, and I'm going to make sure everybody here's high on fire. It's like <laughs> fucking rock. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, coming down the pipeline here. Um, Albert goes on to say that uh, Hammett is right. Digital distribution and social media are killing the old paradigm of music distribution, uh, mm-hmm. which include movies and books as well. Um, instead of being a cranky old dinosaur trying to hold on to the past, he needs to learn to adapt to the digital age because it's not going away. Mm-hmm. I personally prefer to buy hard copies of my entertainment, but I will go the digital route to test the waters before I invest. Digital rights, digital rights stuff is weird. If you buy them, uh, if you buy from a service that folds up, where does your stuff go? Uh, if you uh, switch to a different provider, your stuff doesn't go with you. And can you pass any of that on when you die? Um, and uh, So any of you listen to Steel Panther? I play it sometimes when I want to laugh. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to Steel Panther. There you go. That's cheese dick well, metal right uh, there. That's cheese dick metal. Um, I do <laughs> not listen to them actively. I am certainly, uh, you know, I've heard their stuff, but I'm not that into them. But that, my friend, that is some cheese dick. Mm, yeah, yeah. Are are you guys familiar with them, or am I just? No, oh, okay. Not, they're a uh, they're a hair metal band, except like they exist now, and it's pretty much a parody <laughs> of hair metal. Wow. And in that, in that, they are excellent. Uh, but the music is sort of you know hair metal, and I'm not into nice. it. But yes, cheese dick. In fact, all of all of um. Almost all of hair metal is cheese dick, and yes, mm. hair metal is metal, whether you want to accept it or not. And I don't, but I have to. Yeah. Well said. Well said. That's the thing that you see on all these fucking metal websites and stuff. People who are just like, hair metal isn't metal. What are you talking about? You know? Um, 
I got every metalhead has a soft side, and they start playing <laughs> Cinderella in the background. Fuck, really? Yes. Uh, uh, um, yes they I just had a random thought. If I'm ever out in the forest fighting someone in like the deep dark forest with fog, I want Dio playing in the background. I'm just saying, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, I love it. Well, Albert ends uh, this uh, this very uh, cool email by saying that everyone should listen to Death Clock. Um, the albums and the show are brilliant! Exclamation point. So, I agree. Yeah. Everyone should yeah. listen to Death Clock and watch Metalocalypse. <laughs> and um, yeah. I, will, I will say that uh, I live in the absolute ghetto, and that's not an exaggeration. And nothing makes me happier when I'm driving home from work when I'm hearing all these you know cars blasting their bass. I roll my windows down and blast Castratacron as loud as I fucking can. And I'm just I'm like, yeah, born of evil in a fiery volcano. I'm looking like, yeah, motherfuckers, this one's I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Oh yeah. So I'm with you. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And even Death Clock, I think, you know, there's some there's some themes and parallels there with the whole Dio thing and then as as far as parroting, you know, certain things about metal and um, mm-hmm. and everything. So we need a we need a Death Clock episode here at some point. But um uh, Yes, and Death Clock, total cheese dick. Uh, well, yeah, in a different way. They're pretty <laughs> in heavy. In a different way, yes, They're because heavy. that is fucking, fucking heavy. heavy yes. And the music is solid. The music is fucking solid, even if the lyrics are cheese dick. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I love fucking Death Clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as do I. So thank you, Albert, for uh, for that awesome email. And uh, we need more like that because uh, I, I do uh, appreciate the suggestions, uh, you know, both of bands to listen to and also themes to cover and different stuff. So uh, we're always up for uh, hearing what you guys think we should talk about. Um, so our final piece of feedback here is in the form of audio, and it is from none other than Mike from the Corpse Cast. And uh, the Corpse Cast, if you don't know, is a horror podcast uh, that is really, really great. Uh, I've known Mike uh, actually for a lot of years. His co-host, Shane, is the percussionist of a horror rock uh, punk band called Die Monster Die. Uh, they're a great duo, and um, it's a really, really entertaining show. So um, I'm going to play this clip. It is lengthy from Mike. Um, it does not drag or anything. Uh, Mike is a seasoned podcaster, and it's it's very interesting stuff. So I'm going to play that. So sit back and listen to Mike, and then we'll be back with our comments. Hey, guys. How's it going? This is Mike from the Corpse Cast. Um, I just want to uh, – well, first of all, I wanted to say that I love your guys' podcast. I love all the stuff that you talk about. Um, especially when you guys get a little more philosophical, um, and talk about trends and, and genres, things like that. Um, anyway, um, in fact, that's why I'm making this MP3 cause you guys were talking about something super interesting, uh, the last episode that I listened to, and I believe it's your latest. Um, but, uh, I, and, 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 but I wanted to kind of make a, not necessarily a response, but just kind of something to add. I mean, I'm not making this MP3 to tell you guys that you're wrong. Uh, when you talked about why you feel like the music industry is failing and they're all a bunch of dinosaurs and um, why uh, uh, Kirk Hammett is full of crap, you know, in, when he's saying that that streaming and all that, you know, and iTunes and, you know, Spotify and, and Pandora, stuff like that's killing the music industry. Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not here to tell you that um, you're wrong. 
about uh, you know your thoughts on the subject. And I'm not really here to say that I'm completely right. I just kind of, I mean, I've kind of thought about this before, so I figured, yeah, I might as well just send an MP3, and I'll make it short. I don't want to take up too much of your guys' time. But uh, anyway, uh, the, the thing is with it, with the subject that you guys brought up, I think it's a super complex issue that I don't really understand the whole thing. I have my perspective, but that's really it. And I'll just offer up my taste. I mean, because it's not like I know how the music industry is working or how touring works or, or you know, anything like that. So I don't, I'm not going to really uh, talk about uh, touring or what's wrong with the studio execs or stuff like that just because, I mean, I don't know anything about it. There, um, but there's one part that I do know, that I still kind of have a little bit of a perspective on, and that is, uh, you know, me buying music. Um and let's put it this way, it's changed a ton. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, I mentioned Kirk Hammett, and you were, and, you know, and, and he's a dinosaur now, according to you guys, just because, you know, it's, he, he was saying that Spotify and iTunes were killing the industry. Um, and he was complaining that the royalties for bands need to be raised for it to succeed. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know if we want to, I I think it's kind of easy to scoff at Kirk because, you know, he's already rich or orgy because they suck. But hear me out. Hear me out. Here we go. I'm just going to go into it. Um, I want to submit to you guys that more than anything else, it's the buying habits of the consumer that's hurting the industry. I mean, you guys talked about how in this day and age, Spotify and other services um, are doing small bands a huge favor by getting their name out there, um, you know, in, in you know, how many bands have you would you have not heard of had it not been for Spotify or something like that? And I think you're absolutely right. In terms of marketing and name recognition, I totally agree with you. However, I don't really think that, th that this kind of recognition, uh, you know, always translates into revenue. Um, uh, I'll tell a little story about a guy <clears throat> named Little Mike. He was kind of a rocker in the 90s. He loved the rock. In fact, I, he, I dare say he was a plus, he was really pretty cool. But anyways, um, it being the early nineties, there wasn't a whole ton of music that he was exposed to, you know, especially relative to now. I mean, yeah, I listened to his radio. He read his metal edge magazines and he watched the headbangers ball, um, you know, and, uh, you know, MTV stuff like that. And the, and, uh, you know, Mike would get paid every two weeks, you know, from his, uh, Mexican restaurant, job and, and he'd take his paycheck cash it and immediately walk over to the local gray whale or uh cds or cd warehouse or, or wherever and spend a hundred bucks on the newest albums um or you know either new stuff or stuff that you know he was missing in his collection uh, and basically, so that basically he's spending two hundred dollars a month on music um and it was a habit that he had well into the 2000s even after he was older married and had kids um, but with the advent of streaming services, he realized that he didn't have to spend so much, you know, um, so much money anymore to have instant access to all of the, all of the, you know, the same amount of music or even more music. Um, even though he, you know, he had more disposable income now than he's ever had before. It's just too convenient for him now to go on Spotify on his phone, listen to everything, you know, that he's ever wanted to. Sorry, my kid was coming in and I had to give him a dirty look. But, you know, I mean, listening to basically 
absolutely everything that he's ever wanted to, you know, and uh, it, it goes with him because with phone technology, stuff like that, it's not like he's packing around 100 CDs or anything like that. Um, every once in a while, you know, he'll spend like ten thousand, or sorry, ten dollars downloading like the latest Allison Chains or Opeth. Uh, but for bands not like in his totally highest echelon, you know, he just turns on the Spotify. Um, okay, and so yeah, that was me. Okay, so now um, let me give you an example, you guys. Uh, fairly recently, uh, I was introduced to King Diamond. '90s Mike, you know, would have gone out and bought every single one of his albums, no matter how good it was, you know. And he, you know, and I would have, uh, uh, you know, probably spent a couple hundred bucks doing that. Um, but now it's, you know, it, but now everything is on Spotify right now. So I'm not quite as motivated to go out and get it. Um, though it's, I mean, I do spend $10 per month on the Spotify service, um, you know, and, and, and maybe even add, you know, we'll say maybe 25 bucks per month. Uh, because I'll buy a Spotify, you know, I'll, sorry, I'll pay my Spotify bill and then, you know, I'll buy a thing here and there. But really, that's a mere, you know, what is that? Uh, that's an eighth of how much I used to spend, you know, when I was younger, when I had less disposable income, uh, you know, and all that stuff. But the thing is, is even though I'm spending an eighth of what I had, I'm not sacrificing anything. I mean, I can listen to it just as much as I could. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I don't have, like, the, the collection that I used to have. Um, but, I mean, it, it, you know, and maybe it's just that I've gotten older or whatever. But I just don't, I don't need to collect that now that I have everything right at my fingertips, you know. Anyway, so, and I can't speak for everyone. But, I mean, that, that's, that scenario is exactly how it is for me. So, okay, so let's recap. Let's say that a band gets... And I actually, and actually, I did some research for this because I, uh, and I'm looking at a note thing here. Let's see. I called up, I, I talked to Shane Diablo, who is in Die Monster Die. And not only does he, um, uh, you know, he's in a great band, but he also runs a, a record company, a, a small record company, albeit, but he knows more about this than I do. So I'm using him as my, as my, uh, um, uh, I guess my reference or whatever. Okay. And I asked him, he said, he said, every C- CDs back in the day, used to, we used to uh, sell for 15 bucks. Now, let's say the band, and, and this is what he would say. He'd say they get about $3 uh, out of every purchase. So for every 15 bucks, every time somebody bought a CD, they get, they get $3 out of it. And let's say that they sell uh, 1,500 CDs. That means they get uh, $4,500 as a band, okay? Now, let's say that a band on Spotify, and again, I asked Shane the same thing, gets three cents per streaming a song on Spotify, and they have 150,000 streams, that's also 4,500 bucks. So the question that you have to argue is, is it better to get more from smaller groups of people or less from a ton of people? Because, I mean, if you go, there's a lot of bands on Spotify that, you know, blow away 150,000 streams, right? Um, but I mean, you look at all these smaller bands that, that you wouldn't never have known about that you never would have, uh, you know, even know existed. And, you know, they've got, you know, for some of their best ones, they've got 5,000 streams or, you know, per song per like eight or nine songs and stuff like that. And that's nowhere near the 150,000 streams that they need to make up for only selling a hundred or sorry, 1500 CDs. So, okay. So like I said, I mean, I, I talked with Shane and those are all estimates and I did it to make the math easy. Um, but it seems to me that the per stream royalty that they get is just pissed. You know, this is a band that works their ass off to put a new album, doesn't see a dime. 
and then then some uh, somebody you know I mean oh in in and, and I mean we're not even talking torrents or, or anything like that uh, you know and even even when they do go on torrents they don't complain too much because they just know that's how it's going to work right I mean they can't afford to tour everywhere the same band because they have responsibilities they have you know don't have any money they don't have a van whatever they have jobs you know just like uh, you know the guy that we were talking about from Aon they can't take time off of work you know the in in I mean, as sad as it is, I mean, that's just kind of the truth. And I mean, it, it seems to be more popular in, in coming up to the, or, or sorry, not more, but it's just seemed, we, I, I hear more about that, you know, it's seeming like every, you know, all the time nowadays. And, and you guys talked about Aeon and that whole guy who had to quit. Anyways, um, even if they were to do a show, let's say they do a show, you know, and, and, you know, they still have to split it between four guys plus whatever else. And I don't know. Like I said, I uh, I guess when I, we're talking about Dire Monster Die, I really feel like those guys should be rock gods. Um, you know, and they should be totally rich and whatever. But if that were the case, they wouldn't be friends with me. So I guess it all works out. But anyways, uh, back to the point. It's a consumer's industry. I mean, I'm with you guys. I'm amazed at how many bands there were out there. And I'm shocked that bands like Dire Monster Die or bands that are really super good aren't huge millionaires, you know. Um, but the bottom line is, is you take me and I freely admit this, I am putting way less money into my music than I used to because I don't have to, I don't have to. And I get the same reward. If anything, I have access to more music anytime, anywhere that I ever am than I've ever had before. You know, I put in my small amount of money. It spreads, it spreads over way more bands. I put my, you know, my 10 bucks per month and it spread throughout, um, you know, uh, you know, 15 bands for one, you know, for one month or something, you know, I mean, you see what I'm saying though. Um, and I don't know. All I'm saying is I just don't, I, I think it's just, I mean, that's just the way it is now. I don't think that, that, you know, it's people who are dinosaurs that don't know how to, uh, market anymore. They don't know how to do whatever. I, I just basically think that the less money is being put into the, you know, by the consumer, the less money that there is to go around. And I think that's a bottom line. Um, but anyways, I don't, and, and even though it makes me sad to think that guys aren't making millions of dollars and they aren't, um, you know, able to keep going with their bands, you know, that's super sad, but I don't think we're totally screwed as, as far as getting good music goes. Um, I mean, I, I know I keep using Die Monster Die as an example, but even though they may never be millionaires, they continue to kick ass. You know, they continue to make great music. They do it because they love to do it. It's an outlet for them. And I don't think that we'll really have a shortage of amazing bands and music. I think that we'll have a shortage of bands that make a living out of it. I don't think we'll have bands, especially in like niche genres, making it so huge anymore. You know, like like horror punk or black metal or whatever. You know, I think you see bands like Imagine Dragons, you know, and uh, Neon Trees and the like, who appeal to so many. I mean, and, and these are bands that, I mean, I listen to in the car, and I enjoy it. My wife enjoys it. My kids enjoy it. Um, you know, and I'll, and I'll tell you what. It's, I think that you have to be that loved in order to make music, or, or sorry, money in this day and age. And I, and I mean, maybe, like I said, maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe I'm, now I'm just starting to ramble, maybe. Um, but the bottom line is, is, is you know, I just I just don't think that there's as much going into it, so there's not going to be as much to go around. And maybe the reason that we're getting on Kirk is, I don't know, maybe it's because he was around back when it was different. Maybe he sees the huge difference. You know, you got to give a guy, 
a little bit of credit. I mean, he was there back then. He paid his dues. He, you know, toured. He rocked, whatever. Um, and now he sees it a lot different. Be, but that's because I mean, he's he he's been there. He's been on the inside for so long. Anyways, I'm just I'm not like trying to be a Kirk Hammett apologist. I'm just saying it's just weird. But I'm gonna make one prediction, one bold prediction. Okay. And now take this to the bank. Okay. And I don't know how soon. And I, you know, this is where I. This is where I, I make it so that I don't really have to ever uh, come, you know, come forward, you know, and on my bed or whatever. But I'm just going to make a prediction. The guitarist of Aeon who had to quit because he couldn't afford to play anymore, he'll come back. He may not, you know, go back to Aeon or, or um, you know, if, if Aeon's still trying to, uh, uh, you know, tour and do whatever they can. But I bet you that the call of the rock will get under his skin and the beast will be unleashed. Once again, I'm, you know, I'm kidding. Um, and I think right now he's super discouraged, you know. But I think he'll be back. I think that when people got a rock, they got a rock, right? I mean, that's it. Anyways, that's all I got to say. I know it's been totally long and I rambled and whatever. I don't know. What do you guys think? Bye. All right. Thank you, Mike, uh, for recording that and bothering to send it in at all, actually. It means a lot just knowing that you, you took the time from your very busy, busy recording podcasting schedule and work and family and everything to uh, to do that. But uh, So you had some good things to say, and yes, you did disagree with us, and I think some of what we've, we've even said with previous feedback here tonight, um, uh, you know, basically the, the, the gist of it was that, you know, it's really the buying, ha- it's consumer uh, driven as to what is, quote, killing music right now. Um, but I don't, know, I, wouldn't, I, I don't think it's killing music. I mean, it's killing some music. I think it's 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 killing more of a paradigm than music. You know, music's no, just changing. I think it's created a lot more competition, and that's what he doesn't like. He's being like, like you know, I look at um, Kirk's um, quote as being like a mega corporation. That's what they would complain about, that there's not enough government regulation to keep these small companies out of, uh, you know, the, the business that Walmart wants to get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's... Um, a corporate mindset in some ways. Now, I want to read. Um, I have the actual quote that we were referencing last episode that Kirk said that sounds kind of stupid. And I want to read it, and because um, I don't think we actually um, addressed the actual quote, we just kind of talked about it. Um, but I think I could put it in a better context if if I actually bring up the quote. So, um, he, Kirk was asked um, in this blabbermouth article. Um, who he thinks will be the next generation of festival headliners. And he replied, it's hard to say. Muse, they're already headlining. Maybe Queens of the Stone Age, it's hard to say. There haven't been a lot of really, really great bands that have shown that kind of promise, you know? I think it's a concern. Because of things like iTunes and streaming and social networking, it's destroyed music. It's destroyed the motivation to go out there and really make the best record possible. It's a shame. And that is his quote, and that is um, more what I was going off about without actually explaining it, I guess. <laughs> He's saying that there has been no really great bands, and I think that he only measures really great band by how much success that band has. Uh, whereas, like, just like Mike was saying with Die, Monster, Die, they are a really great band. I have um, one of their CDs. I've got them on my Spotify. They're a good band, and it's not like them being unsuccessful means they're not one. And that's basically what Kirk is saying. And that pisses me off. Uh, it's, and like, I don't really, um, 
even disagree too much with Mike's points about iTunes and streaming. But what I'm really going off about with Kirk is that he's saying social networking destroyed music. That is the way I discover fucking music. I see Corey's listening to something on Facebook. I throw it in my Spotify. Tonight I saw one of my friends was uh, listening to new songs from the guy who made the soundtrack, uh, the main theme song to Drive, that movie Drive Mm -hmm. from a couple of years ago. The guy's name is Kavinsky, and it's like retro electronic rock. And, you know, I was listening to that shit. And, um, you know, would I have known that that guy put out more music if it weren't for Facebook tonight? What I, what I know, I've not known about like all these little bands. God damn it, Kirk Hammett. I've learned about so many bands through social media that it just shows that he doesn't understand social, social media, you know? And I mean, I don't understand how that would destroy the motivation to go out there and make the best record possible when, motherfucker, I've heard a lot of the best records possible in the past couple of years. Well, he's he's coming at it from it's a job to him. He's looking at it as like... Okay, well, why even make music if there's not like this huge million dollar payoff that you're you're chasing? You know, if that no longer is a reality, then he's like, well, what's the what's the point of making music? Right, which is so completely retarded to me. So that is not you know I make music too. That's not why I make music. I'm not like man. If I make a great great album, I could hit it big. I could be a rock star. I could be making millions of dollars. I could be touring the world. Like I don't. I mean, it it goes back to. uh, you know, the, some of the last pieces of feedback that we're saying about, like, you don't do it because, you know, you have to. You do it or you don't do it because you want to. You do it because you have to. It's, it's like you're driven, you know, and I want to keep keep playing, keep coming up with new stuff and keep improving my sound and keep improving my, my technique and, and uh, everything about it. And that's my motivation. And unfortunately, Kirk... His motivation is obviously the big paycheck, the big payoff, you know, getting as much money as possible, making millions. And he can't he can't see uh, from any other perspective, you know, exactly. I think more yeah. more, uh, you know, uh, people right. like us. That's I mean, a quote. That's oh, a sorry. quote from a guy who's used to stepping out on stage and having twenty five thousand people scream and throw money. That's what that's what that guy says. But if he was starting out today, back in Exodus where he started, or in the beginning of Metallica, if they started today, he would be so excited about the possibility that social media could spread the news, could spread those songs, iTunes, Spotify. He would he would think it was the most unbelievable free press machine he could ever have, and probably one of the one of the biggest keys to his potential success. So his comments are coming from a guy who's used to having everybody show up regardless of what they record. Right. He doesn't even realize you know. the work that goes into it, you know? He has no concept of it, and that's the real fucking problem, man. And, I mean, you look at Die Monster Die as an example. Their last album, uh, they got a lot of funding, you know, to record it. Uh, they don't do it as their day job. They got a recording to the uh, money to record from having a Kickstarter first, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, how much? how many bands have probably been helped by that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Not that I'm arguing with Mike. I'm just going off on fucking Kirk. I just want to choke him. Uh, but he made a good point, and it, it it's actually, I mean, uh, you know, sort of what I did too, and it just makes me, you know, think about uh, sort of our buying habits now. And he talked about the story of Little Mike, and that uh, you know he used to take his his paycheck and and uh, go down to the record store every couple weeks and spend probably most of it on you know cassettes, probably back then. 
um, mm-hmm. and different things. And I did that exact same thing. That was the first store I hit, you know, when I got paid. Little um, Corey? Little Corey went yeah, out? Little, little Corey, yes. Um, <laughs> that third person thing went on so long, I eventually thought that there was a separate person named Little Mike. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, he's, I know. Looking, he's looking backwards into the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that you know, that says a lot because I don't just drop hundreds of dollars, you know, in, in one record store visit anymore. You know, I pay 10 bucks a month to Spotify. I, you know, maybe, uh, I, I actually, I'm, I'm sort of a fan of uh, buying MP3 albums from Amazon um, because uh, A, I can download them freely and uh, save them as MP3s and, and, you know, make CDs if I want to or do, you know, whatever. I just sort of have that yeah. sort of freedom. And B, uh, I can still stream online. You know, everything I buy is, is right. streamable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so that's, uh, I think there's a big advantage uh, to that sort of thing, too, because that's something, if Spotify goes away, it's like, well, we, where do we look next? You know, we don't have our collection to fall back on. And right. so, but no, I'm, I'm saying, you know, I just don't drop, uh, t- you know, tons of money at the record store. You know where I drop tons of money? And this is going back, uh, Nick, I think you said it, or, or I, I can't remember when we're talking about uh, uh, the first feedback where bands really make their money really make all their money and it's touring and it's not ticket sales because again the you know promoters and the venue and and things they get most of that money no it's the merch table it's t-shirts and posters Mm -hmm. and and all the cool stuff that come from the merch table that is where every band out there that has made a ton of money that's where they make it um and you know to to just be a studio uh, um, a band right now and not tour, uh, you're never never going to make a living, uh, never going to get anywhere. Um, but it's the touring thing and getting out there and doing that. And uh, unfortunately, like we talked about on the last show, Nick, we you know even touring isn't ideal for some bands because um, they mm-hmm. still get screwed because it's still a, a big corporate uh, sort of working right now. But um, but that's where it is. You know, everybody, everybody, it's it's all money from the merch table, and so that's. Um, that's what it is. So, you know, I think, I, I think, I, you know, I might spend more money now at, at, at live shows, um, you know, and actually I, I'll maybe buy a, a poster, whereas before, you know, like 20 years ago, I wouldn't have bought a poster, you know, I'd maybe buy a t-shirt when I was there. Uh, but now maybe I get a t-shirt and a poster, you know, and maybe if they have, you know, some, you know, some stickers, you know, I'll pay a few bucks for some stickers or something now. Because I didn't just go to the record store and buy their whole back catalog and spend $200, you know. Now I have some money for your live show and going going that route. So that's that's something to think about, maybe maybe a possibility. But, you know, that's, that's where it is. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So, um, but... Uh, yeah, that's uh, epic it, feedback. Uh, by the way, that was yeah, that was, was well produced, well thought out, and he did his homework. Good job, yeah, man. Yeah. Seriously, and he's absolutely yeah, right. You know. Oh, sorry, Nick. Go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say I don't want to promise everybody whoever sends us an MP3 that we're going to play it on the show, mm-hmm. but that one was uh, well thought out and topical. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, essentially, he's right. I mean, it's the buying habits of the uh, of the people listening to music that is. I think I wouldn't say you know killing anything. Uh, it's changing. The market and like like anything else that is finance driven, uh, which the record industry is, you know, it's uh, the market's going to adjust and it's going to go through growing pains. It's supply and demand. And, you know, bands, if they just can't do it, I mean, they're going to. Yes, we are losing potentially some really good music because financially it just doesn't work. You know, some bands are just not going to be able to do it. 
um, because of financial reasons. They can't can't make ends meet, you know. And uh, so, yeah, we are giving up some music there. But, you know, then again, I think we're gaining a tremendous amount of music otherwise. And so uh, I think, you know, the market just adjusts. You know, it's it's going to happen. It's just that's how it is in every industry. And this one just happens to be one that's, uh, uh, I think, <laughs> it's going through especially some painful times along with, you know, uh, the movies and books and, and other things as well. Right. But I mean, you look at the success of Netflix in terms of movies and what we're waiting for now is um, that system of music distribution that is really going to put to rest um, all, all the arguments over, um, you know, piracy and and everything else, like sooner or later, things will will even out somewhere. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know how. It's whatever. I'm not the guy who invented that solution. But things will change in a way that makes sense in the future. Uh, whether it be all streaming um, or or a more evenly de- um, more easy, even easier uh, access to the music one way or another, something will change. And it's the same thing that happened with movies. It's the same thing that happened with videotape back in the 80s. Yeah. I was watching a fucking documentary tonight called Rewind This. You guys might like it. It's about VHS collectors. And um, it, it's... Um, I'm old? <laughs> no, we're, yeah. old, we're all old <laughs> horror <laughs> movie guys yeah. who grew up watching, uh, got, going to video stores and Mike, stuff. it's got a rotary phone. You'll love it. It's right out of your childhood. <laughs> yeah. This one's got a milkman who brings the milk nice. to your home. Uh, but no, there's fucking, um, uh, you know, in the 80s, they were afraid that um, people getting movies out, at their home, they're never going to want to go out to the theaters again, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. Yeah, they that, just didn't understand that the, it, would, it couldn't have been any more reversed. You know, we would love the movie and, oh, oh my God, I can't wait for this to come out so I can get it, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. funny. It's just simple misunderstanding, like Kirk misunderstanding everything now. He's just Correct. too old to embrace the new. And you mentioned, I like how maybe even easier access. Could music be any easier access now? I mean, literally the band would have to show up at my house and play for me to get it any easier <laughs> than I do right now. It's crazy. It's right. so great to be alive and a music fan in these changing times, but it's so great because it's all right in your, right in your lap, anything you want. Mm-hmm. Love it. There we go. Right on, right on. Well, thanks again, Mike. Uh, and we encourage people, if you want MP3s, man, get behind the mic and record a thing and email it in. Our email address is right on devilhorns.org, and so send it in. You can call. We have a voicemail number that nobody uses, and so that's, that's sitting there, too. So <laughs> Yeah, you know. do you not know that, people? Yeah, I put a big, big, huge graphic on the website just for that, and I, I don't don't know that's been effective. But call us. I don't um, know. I called, and my feedback never made it on the air, so I don't know. Well, what the that's uh, it's it sucked. I mean, that's it, yeah. Well, you, so what? It was three minutes of me going. <laughs> we have a voicemail, <laughs> and then I hung up. Yeah. So what? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Forgot to forgot to tell you <laughs> my thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, the quality <laughs> was a little low on your feedback, Mike. Just saying, couldn't play. It wasn't up to technical standards. Damn. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. Send us your feedback. We do uh, appreciate it. So um, that's that's it. That's the end of another episode. I had a lot of fun with this, and again, uh, you know, it's tremendously. Uh, fun talking about Dio and our thoughts on that and listen to some feedback. And Mike, I'm really excited about next show, man. Album review of your own choosing, man. And uh, get into some SOD, speak English or die. Um, 
people can uh, not listen to this on Spotify. I, I think I said this before. Uh, the only SOD album that people can listen to is um, what, Bigger Than the Devil. Don't bother. And, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it's still I mean, SOD, you know, uh, you know, um, but it's it's not speak English or die. Um, no. So um, people can you can still get this, I think, on Amazon and uh, things like that. So uh, you're going to have to go and do that. And it's probably on. I haven't even looked on YouTube. You know, I think pretty much everybody, you know, rips it to YouTube anymore. So. Yeah, um, probably so. Yeah, check that. At least you can get a a spattering of songs probably on YouTube uh, from them, if not the full album. So uh, yeah, check it out. And um, you know, again, if you guys want to give us feedback about what you think about SOD before the the whole uh, uh, episode comes out, then we'd surely welcome that. But uh, we will be talking about that and reviewing it and uh, seeing if it uh, still holds up here after all the years. So, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's another show. You guys uh, got anything here before we? Call it a night and another fun, fun time. Uh, just follow us uh, at Devil Horns Cast on Twitter and look us up on Facebook and follow us there. Devilhorns.org is the website. All our episodes are on iTunes. Why aren't you listening right now? Yes. I guess technically you think they it's are. killing the podcasting industry. I know. Uh-huh. Oh, like like Wah isn't killing Metallica already enough, Kirk. Jesus, we get it. You know, ever since right. we put up our Facebook page, social media has been killing killing our download rates. I mean, yeah. social media and iTunes <laughs> are just a thorn in our side. Absolutely. All right, everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, we're gonna be showing up here again in a few more weeks for some more Devil Horns. Good night. <laughs> Thank you.